Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The volume. Just a reminder that you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is the new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while I'm recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store and make sure you follow me at Chris Mannix to get notified when I go live. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network, calling Cowards Podcast Network. I want to welcome everybody listening on AMP. As a reminder, if you want to get this podcast a day early, subscribe, follow on AMP at Chris Mannix. We run these podcasts uh, usually Tuesday night on AMP. If you're listening on the podcast feed, thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, it's very easy. Just click that button, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. That helps this podcast out. We've got a busy show for you today. Edgar Berlanga, 168-pound contender. He joins the show a little bit later on. Uh, Spent a lot of time talking to Edgar about his year off in boxing, the changes he's made since his last fight, his desire to kind of get his career back on track. And uh, at the end of it, I pressed Edgar about a topic we're going to discuss early on, and that is a fight between Edgar Berlanga and Jaime Munguia which has replaced Jamal Charlo and Demetrius Andrade atop my list of fantasy fights <laughs> that needs to be made. So stick around for that interview a little bit later in the show. As you heard from those laughs, I am joined this week by uh, two of my favorite guys in all of boxing. They are the co-hosts of the DAZN Boxing Show. Akin Barak, they will be in New York uh, all week long hosting the DAZN Boxing Show from the uh, Berlanga Jason Quigley uh, site. You can check that out on DAZN, follow it on YouTube, follow their show as well. Fellas, thanks for being here, for doing the show. Uh, Brock, you think that, Always I mean, look, look, it's, Brock, it is, 
And we're going to get to Berlanga Munguia a little bit later on, but that's at least a mm-hmm. better fantasy fight, a more realistic fantasy fight than my Andre Charlo dream. No, I mean, I, I kind of like it. I, I like it because it's it's a fan-friendly fight. And it's it's kind of like the the your last fight that you, you know, you campaigning for because we're still waiting for these guys to fight somebody. They both been in the game for a while. Edgar just had a whole bunch of fame and we're waiting for him to fight somebody big. And Mungia's been in the game for too long, three different weight classes, and we're still waiting for him to fight a big name. So I, I like it. Ak, what do you think of uh, Berlanga Munguia? I, I love that fight. I, we talked to Eddie Hearn earlier in the week, and we you know, talked about his relationship with Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy, and their back and forth, you know, uh, little Instagram jabs. But he says, hey, when he sees Oscar, it's all love. So he says he doesn't see a problem making that fight. Obviously, you know, there has to be some negotiations, and I know that they're looking ahead at the Canelo fight. But if there's a fight in the interim, right, First off, he has to get past quickly. If there's a fight in the interim before the Canelo, what better than a test like Jaime Munguilla? I mean, we all saw what happened, you know, last week against Zervichenko a week and a half ago or so. Um, that's a tough fight. Mm. I mean, does he make it to Canelo if he fights Jaime Munguilla? Hey, that is rock'em, sock'em robot for as long <laughs> as it lasts. I think that would be a terrific fight. <laughs> One of the best fights you can make in the second half of 2023. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Berlinga, uh, Berlanga coming up against Jason Quigley this weekend. That's a fight you can watch uh, on DAZN. But I want to look back for a minute, guys, at what we saw last weekend with Regis Progre and Danielito Zoria. Progre making the first defense of his WBC 140-pound title. I think a lot of people, myself included, expected this fight to kind of devolve into a shootout. It, it never did. And that was largely because Danielito Zoria came in with a game plan that he was going to box and move with an emphasis on move. The, the copy box numbers were crazy. I mean, there were only 84 yeah. landed punches in the 12 rounds of that fight. That is the lowest number of punches landed in a championship fight in the 38-year history of CompuBox. That's how... What? Are you serious? I'm serious. I that's how crazy, that, that's yeah. how crazy those numbers were and how wow. little action there was in that fight. But Ak, let's put the question to you first. Uh, you watched that fight. Did yeah. you see signs of weakness in Regis Progre? Do you think that fight is indicative of a weakness in Progre? Yeah, uh, yes and no. I, I, the first part is there are things that need to be worked on in terms of cutting a ring off. But I also know that there are fighters, certain fighters that have certain styles that will make great fighters look bad. And Zaria, I mean, he literally ran most of that fight. And then when he would engage one or two shots, he would, you know, Regis is a lot shorter, so he would hold on top of him. So there was a lot of clinching and a lot of running involved. You have to, he, you know, he has to carry some of that weight. The re- That fight being that bad as, as it was, I place more to blame on Zaria. Now, Regis being an elite fighter, wanting those elite fights, you know, wanting the tanks of the world, the Tiafimos of the world, he's going to have to be able to deal with that style a little bit better in order to compete with that. That's not to say that he's not going to go back into to the drawing board in the gym and be a better fighter. Maybe this was a hard lesson for Regis, Chris, and he does become a better fighter the next time around, but he has to be able to deal with any style if you're going to be considered elite. Brock, when I was watching and calling that fight, uh, I, I started to get a little bit of deja vu. I started to get deja vu of Teofimo Lopez's fight against oh. Sandor Martin. 
Uh, okay. Because yeah. that fight with Sandor Martin was dreadful. And that was because of the style that Sandor Martin brought to that fight. He moved. He tried to win with elusiveness, uh, using the entirety of the ring. And Teofimo Lopez looked awful in that fight. Teofimo Lopez knew he looked awful in that fight. That's right. why it was such a big deal when he was caught on camera afterwards saying, do I still got it? Well, Teofimo Lopez turns around months later and has the fight of his career, or at least one of them, when he beats up uh, Josh Taylor in a fight that was stylistically better. That That's kind of why I don't think we saw a real weakness in Regis Program because when you you know look ahead at the guys he could fight, whether it's Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez, Subriel Matias, uh, Roly Romero, Ryan Garcia, none of these guys fight like uh, uh, like Zaria did. So I think as long as Progray doesn't get into a fight with Sandra Martin in the next couple of years, I think he's probably still going to be in good shape against the top guys at 140. Yeah, Chris, but what if you just imagine Zaria fighting uh, uh, another top 140 pounder or, or fighting maybe a tank at 140 or fighting a Ryan Garcia, does that fight play out the same? I mean, is Zaria that difficult of a style where he'll give everybody a problem? I don't know. I mean, Hector Bermudez, the trainer of Zaria, he told me afterwards, look, we only had a few weeks to train for this fight, and this was our best chance to win. When I when I talked to Hector in the corner after the fifth round, he said a boring fight is our best chance to win. We're going to wait for Regis to try to make a mistake, hit him with one or two clean shots, and come out of the round with a win. And look... Brock, I thought it was close. Like, I had it 114, 113. Yeah. I think 118-109 was wild. Like, that was... Right. I mean, to me, that was a judge that was just impressed with the aggressiveness of Regis Progress. So, I can't necessarily fault Zaria for a game plan that put him right there on my scorecard in a championship fight. But I just think if Progress winds up with any of the top names I just mentioned, he's going to be much better off in those fights. I don't fault Zaria at all. I mean, when you talk about... When you feel his power in the third round and it knocks you down, you get on your bike. Now, I don't like that style per se. I don't like that he he didn't punch much. It remind I thought he was gonna say Canelo and um Lara. Mm. You know, Lara was moving so much and was barely punching, but every time he would punch, he'd be able to land. But he didn't want to get hit by Canelo, so I didn't like it. And and that's another thing. I just didn't like the fight, but they both landed the same amount of shots. Like this was this was such a weird this is such a weird fight. Same amount of power punches, same amount of jabs, weird fight. But I wasn't mad at, at Regis. I'm like, okay, you couldn't cut off the ring. You're not Gennady Golovkin, you know, but nobody, like you said, nobody else has that particular style. Boxers give everybody trouble. So that's what, that's what Zaria is supposed to do. Get on your bike, you run from the harder puncher. I, I didn't think that was bad. I didn't think that was a bad game plan. He should have punched. He should have let his hands a little more. He should have let his hand go a little bit more. But if that's what you got to do to win, then that's what you have to do. Yeah, but is that is, is that your end all being all, okay? I barely got past Regis by running the entire fight. Is well, that, you, is that you, know, you know why? You know why I say um, it was good because in reality, some people had him winning. You know, so it, you One say barely did. got. Yeah, yeah, you say yeah, exactly. You say barely got past Regis. Some people say he won that fight. You know, if it wasn't for that knockdown, he probably would have won. But, you know, he was kind of landing. Uh, it seemed like he was landing more punches. When you look at CompuBox, they landed the same amount. You can't be yeah, surprised, though. You, you can't be surprised, Akit, that... And I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think Hector Bermudez or people from Kodo Promotions and the guys there were surprised that he lost. Like, you you can't 
take a title off a champion in a champion's no. hometown fighting like that. You just can't. No. It's not no. it's not no. going to sway two of the three judges. Uh, I look <laughs> I I had no problem with one of the judges squeezing out a 114-13 decision. Again, I had it the other way by one point. Uh yeah. but you're not going to win fights against a world no, champion Chris, in his hometown like that. You know what's crazy? You're, you're, you're the underdog and you're that? the last minute replacement. I mean, come on. Right. Imagine in basketball, you said, "Hey, you're not you're not going to uh, beat a team in their hometown, <laughs> you know, like that sucks. That that's just <laughs> such a normal conversation in boxing. You're not gonna take it from the champion uh, in his hometown. That's called corruption. <laughs> and we say it like it's nothing. I said the same thing to myself in my head the other day, and I was like, wait a minute. Imagine saying that in football. Imagine yeah. saying that in, in basketball. That sucks that we have to deal with this in our favorite sport. Well, another thing about Zari, I mean, he, he didn't make a good case for himself. For any other fights, nobody's gonna want to deal with that, or oh, or, right. or, or or you know, or, or give him a fight. Not only to spoil, you know, a, a prospect or something like that, but you, you're sneaking up the joint with that type of style. So he didn't make a good case for himself to make any money moving forward. To be honest, yeah, and, good point. And and look, it's not just the hometown of Regis Progre. It's that you do a fight in Louisiana where you're gonna get three judges like you had that frankly, are not high-level experienced judges. That That's mm -hmm. just what happens when you are in a, a jurisdiction that doesn't Damn, put on that's harsh, Chris. It, well, no, it's true, <laughs> but it's, it's a fact. Like, when you go to New York, you oftentimes get the best of the best. Nevada, mm, California, yeah. oftentimes you get the best of the best. You go to, you know, yeah. kind of these, you know, far-flung locations for boxing, uh, you're yeah. not going to get the best of the best. Kind of as simple as that. Look, they brought in Ray Corona from California to referee that fight. Like, they brought in... <laughs> A oh, wow. experienced referee. That's right. To, That's true. That's a good point. To referee that yep. fight. So it, it just is kind of what it is there. Uh, last thing on Progray Zaria, specifically with Progray. Uh, Eddie Hearn said after the fight, maybe we'll get guys looking to dance with Regis. And sure enough, like I, I go on boxing scene, you know, a couple times a day. And every time the headlines refresh, it's like, you know, 140 pound title holder slash contender calls out Progray. Progray isn't very good. Devin Haney or Bill Haney says a warrant is out for Regis Progray and Devin is going to to deliver it. So I guess, Barack, that the, you know, maybe the silver lining is that we'll get Haney versus Progray in the next available fight or we'll get Progray <laughs> against uh, Subriel Matias before the end of the year. Maybe that's a silver lining in all this. Yeah, but but you know what? When you talk about at this particular level, nobody's really trying to duck, especially in that division. You're talking about Devin Haney. Devin Haney was calling out Lomachenko when he was 19 and a half years old. <laughs> like, come on. And Lomachenko was the best fighter in the world. So he was going to fight. He was going to have the ability to fight Devin Haney anyway because Devin Haney won all the smoke. So I can understand at a lower level, maybe, but not at the top level. Everybody uh, are, are we saying, other. is it safe to say, and are, are we all saying that Devin is done with 135? Yeah, I think he's done. Like, yeah, hell I, yeah. I mean, there's still, there's still a big tank fight out there. Yeah, but tank uh, right mean, now, tank is behind bars at the moment. Like, I don't, it's just, it's not wow. going, well, I mean, it's a fact. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's true. I don't, you're not, I don't think you're going to get negotiations for a Tank Davis <laughs> yeah, fight at the moment. I just think, look, Devin, look, Eddie Hearn told me Devin wants to make some moves. Like, Devin wants to go in September or October. Like, he's ready to get back in the yeah. ring. There, there, There's talks of Devin signing with the Saudi Arabia group, Skills Challenge, although wow. those deals are pretty complicated to, to put together. Uh, yes. I, look, I think if you can make Devin an appetizing offer to fight Regis Progray in the next few months, Devin Haney will take it. Because you, you guys and I will agree uh, that... Devin wants to smoke. Devin's a legacy fighter. He's a money fighter, yeah. but he's also yeah, a yeah. legacy fighter. 
Yeah, right. no doubt. And not only that, though, that frees up the 135-pound division. I mean, he's going to obviously vacate all of those titles. They'll be scattered. I mean, we'll, I guess we'll get more championship fights at 135 yeah. opposed to that one fight that's going to determine the undisputed champ at 135. I kind of was hoping for that. I wanted to see the Devons against Tank, maybe Shakur down the line. But it, I guess if Devin moves up, we know he's not coming Don't back. Don't be surprised, Devin, though. He's been... Go ahead. He's go been ahead. complaining about that that weight class. Yeah, well, yeah. I said go ahead, and I still told him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what the hell was that? No, look, I, all, I was, all I was going to say is don't be surprised if Devin doesn't immediately vacate those titles. Like, all the 135-pounders have been, like, bagging on Devin. Like, if I'm Devin Haney and I don't have to vacate right away, if I can take one fight at 140 uh, without vacating my titles, like – Fuck them. Like, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. Like, nobody's been, been good to me. Everybody said I lost to Lomachenko, <laughs> and I should. Like, why would he give these guys a chance to fight for a vacant belt before he has to? Like, he'll eventually no, do I, it. Right. But why would he And not only it? that, I mean, think about what he's gone through to get all of those belts. I know it's not going to be easy for him to let those go. Not not for a while anyway. No, no doubt. He's probably going right. to be forced to let him go. Uh, right, I think he talk. just doesn't like that weight class. I think he doesn't like making the weight. Of course, no fighters guy. like making weight, you know? bro. No fighters do. Yeah, but he's career long at 135. Yeah. Like, you you... He's a big, you guys know, he's a big guy. Like, you know, yeah. and I remember looking at those pictures of him at the actual weigh-in before his last fight, not the fake one where they already had a chance to rehydrate. I mean, he was skin right. and bones at that point. Oh, yeah. Like, that was, 100%. That was Understand, he's, he started young. So it's like Canelo. Canelo started at 140, but he was 15 years old. Hey. So you, your body's just naturally growing. He's probably, and he's the youngest one. He's growing. Teofimo Lopez said in the ring after the loss to Cambosa, I should have vacated my belts after Lomachenko because he knew how tough it was for him to make 135 and all that oh, he went wow. through in that year with the cancellations and wow. all the all the stuff that went on behind the scenes. Uh, I think Devin Haney should leave one fight too early maybe than one fight too late. That's, that's, yes, and, that's and, a good point. Like we've talked Ooh, about, there's plenty of money for him there. Well said. Well said. As well. All right, big fight this weekend. Edgar Berlanga back in action for the first time in almost one calendar year. And look, if this was a couple of years ago, this would be a massive deal because Edgar Berlanga had a lot of shine on him in his first 16 fights. All 16 ended by knockout. The last four, though, have gone to a decision. He was suspended after his last win over Roma Rangulo because he tried to bite him uh, in New York. And uh, he's been out of the ring for some time as a result. And now he gets Jason Quigley, Barack. And yeah. Look, this is almost a no-win situation for Edgar Berlanga because Jason Quigley's a fine fighter. He's got a win over Shane Mosley Jr. that seems to be aging a lot better, you know, almost by yep. the by the month. But right. <laughs> he was last seen on U.S. soil just getting destroyed by Demetrius Andrade. And a lot of people, yes. myself included, have wondered exactly how he's going to stand up to the power of Edgar Berlanga at a different weight class. You know, Demetrius Andrade, big, strong guy, not considered a power puncher, not considered a knockout artist, and he walked right through Jason Quigley. That was a year and a half ago at this point, mm. so mm -hmm. or longer. Uh, Long. So I, I think Edgar's in a weird position because a lot of people are just expecting him to steamroll Jason Quigley, and if he doesn't, it's going to be like, well, why couldn't you beat Jason Quigley faster than Demetrius Andrade could? Is he, Barack, in a <laughs> no-win situation here? Oh, Wow. When you put it that way, damn. <laughs> you even got me convinced now. I would say you're never really in a no-win situation because you can the, the the result can be so devastating that people forget about all of those other intangibles. But yeah, you you kind of might be right. Let's just say he goes in there, blows him out in the first round. 
Ah, what do you even Eddie said? Hey, if, if it's really devastating, maybe we can call for Canelo right now. Oh, I'm like, damn. I mean, people, look, if you're a, a knockout, one thing a knockout does before you go out, one thing a knockout does is kind of jogs our memory. <laughs> no, it kind of like erases our memory of whatever else we were thinking about. So they'll forget that maybe Quigley's not a, a great opponent, or or you know, maybe your last performances, who cares? A knockout is what everybody wants to see, and, and it might just change things. Yeah, but and if people, to Chris's point, they're expecting a heavy puncher like Berlanga to knock uh, quickly out, sometimes you have to do what's expected of you, right? This is a perfect situation 100%. where, hey, this is my matchroom debut. Mm -hmm. uh, tough fighter. Yes, he had. He's had a couple of wins, but he is not supposed to beat me. He is not supposed to go to distance with me. Maybe Edgar and his team is putting that pressure on themselves because they want to make believers out of themselves. Sometimes you need a big knockout win to get those wheels spinning again. He hasn't had one of those in a long time. Yeah. And maybe Quigley's the perfect opponent. No disrespect to him. We know he's coming to win. Yeah. But no, you're right. He, he's you, not you know, you know what I think too, Chris? Way. I think that it's, it's hmm, I just think it's not fair that we're putting that pressure on him be, because we're comparing, we would obviously naturally compare him to Demetrius Andre. Demetrius Andre is a very big guy. He's bigger than Berlanger. He chooses to box. And remember, he went in there against Selecki. Boom. Dropped him early. Took his foot off the gas. His father said, box now. So he has power. He is a big guy. He chose, he chose not to you know, be an aggressive fighter all of these years. So now when you see him get the knockout, you're like, damn, if he got the knockout early. Um, yeah, but, he also didn't, but he also didn't score 16 straight knockouts in the first round, Brock. Mm. By by choice though, by choice. You know, I remember. No, you know no, what it is. No, no, not by choice. You mean to tell me that Demetrius Andre's six first sixteen fights, if he wanted to no, knock no. those guys out in the first round, he could have. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's a different caliber. He, he might have been able to. Knock, I will well. say this: he might have been able to knock maybe, out a bunch. Maybe though. so. Like you know, Demetrius's father can be Demetrius's worst enemy at times because after Andre early would show great power his dad we could hear him in the corner say that's not what we yeah. do like you know that we See? we want to go back to boxing and look to Andre's credit in that fight against Quigley his last fight with Matchroom he knew he had to do something spectacular to even get a sniff out of another major promoter and he went out there and stepped on the gas and that's my concern with Jason Quigley when people say Quigley is a good boxer I agree with them but he couldn't keep Demetrius Andrade off him when Andrade decided to, pr to put the pressure on. I just don't know how he's going to keep Edgar Berlanga off him if Edgar decides to do that. Right. right. But well, what if Edgar also, doesn't? Demetrius Andrade is a very experienced fighter, very good fighter. Everybody remember him as in the, in, in the amateurs, beat all of the top fighters that are fighting today on guys that are retired already. You know, so he's, I don't know. I think Berlanga's in a tough spot being compared to Demetrius Andrade right now. I mean, he's not being compared to him, Barack. He's just being we compared to himself. Compare. And, no, I mean, we're mentioning... The outcomes. The outcomes are yeah, going to yeah. be compared. That, yeah. That's what I'm talking Ex about. Exactly. And, and maybe he needs to put this pressure on himself. Man, we're, talk we're talking Canelo, Alvarez. We're talking big fights. Please don't tell me that we can't put a little pressure on him to knock <laughs> quickly out. All right, you got it. You got it. You got All it. right, so let's, let's, <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute because the Canelo-Alvarez talk is, is simply going to be there until Canelo books another fight. At the moment, it certainly sounds, based on the reporting, that there is some momentum towards a Jamal Charlo fight. We'll see if that can get finalized by PBC over these next couple of weeks. But if it's not settled by Saturday night and Edgar Berlanga mows down Jason Quigley, Edgar Berlanga, unquestionably, is going to be in the ring calling for a fight 
against Canelo Alvarez. Ak, you know Edgar's resume. Uh, does he deserve a fight with Canelo Alvarez? It's funny you said that. We just talked about this with Eddie as well. Sometimes if you're a big enough star, you don't necessarily need to deserve the fight because boxing is a business at the end of the day, right? And if we put butts in seats and sell pay-per-views, that's the fight that's going to happen. It's not always who's most deserving. Yeah, technically on paper, maybe he should have done a little bit more, right, to get that fight. But if it makes business sense, you know as well as I do the fight will happen and we'll get those complaints about the people. He hasn't earned this fight. He hasn't earned this fight. That's going to happen regardless, man. Yeah, I, I would say you, you mentioned earlier, Akin, we was talking about the same thing. You was talking about Ryan Garcia versus Devontae Davis. I wouldn't say that's a perfect analogy because Ryan Garcia beat all of those, you know, B fighters. To, to get a a, a, t a title shot, even though Tank is not really a champion. Well, so he beat two. He beat two fighters, and we're, we're talking about Luke Campbell and Jorge Linares. That's more. Which, that's more than Edgar yeah, Blanca's I mean, beat. That's that's that, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, come on, yeah, yeah, not, he, he not beat not enough it. guys to, to deserve a championship. Oh yeah, no fight. question there was about nobody it. else to beat. There, there was I, literally I, nobody else to beat. So I, he I, I, he earned that. He earned no, that. No, and I meant I meant Fortuna. I would say I would say Rolling. But listen, I would say Rolling fighting Tank. That's a fight where he made seven figures. He didn't earn that fight. He talked his way into. I wasn't saying. I wasn't comparing it. I was using that as an example. There were some people that were saying, on paper, Ryan didn't deserve the fight, but he was just, he was that big of a star where the fight became huge. We all saw the numbers. So I wasn't, it's not the same thing and, as and Berlanga. I'm, I'm shooting Ryan that down. has bigger I'm wins. I'm shooting that down. He did deserve that fight. There's literally nobody else to fight. Yeah, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't say he didn't deserve it. I'm saying some critics did. Now, you know, sometimes people say, Critics say, but there's really their thoughts too. So stop it, bro. <laughs> stop no, it. Not, not me though. By the Ryan way, did deserve by that. Way, how much shrapnel has Rolly Romero taken over the last like month or so? Like <laughs> Regis Program brings him up. I didn't even ask Regis about Rolly. He goes, I don't want to fight Rolly. Rolly terrible. <laughs> he brings that up. I want to fight everybody taken, but Rolly. <laughs> Rolly is taking no fire. He's got a title on his shoulder, and nobody still nobody wants to fight him. <laughs> I mean, do you remember? I mean, did anybody see his last yeah. fight? Like, come on. Yeah, that's uh, a that's horrible, Rolly. horrendous. Um. Look, if it's a question of Berlanga versus Charlo, you know, Charlo has more of a case because he's still a title holder, which is ridiculous because it's now, well, it's now past two years since the last yeah. time that he fought. Uh, and he's got a strong resume at 154. So he's got a little bit more evidence to point to as being deserving of a Canelo fight, but not that much. Like, not that yeah. much. It's not like Charlo is this no-brainer type of fight for Canelo to take. I think the only reason for Canelo to take it is because Charlo is a champion, has a big name, would sell a lot of pay-per-views. And look, there I don't know too many people in boxing who think Charlo would be competitive in that fight. He's been off for way too long. Some of the video you see of him online doesn't look great. So I, I just don't know that moving up to fight one of the pound-for-pound -pound best is... Is going to I, end I think that's a, I think that's a little extreme though. Saying he won't be competitive. I mean, I he's still I don't think it'd be competitive. He's still a big guy for that weight division. He's still way bigger Never than Canelo. He's a strong class, puncher. First time, first time there. No, no doubt. But he's he's a strong fighter. He has power. The, the guy can fight. I mean, yes, he's been on for a while with a solid training camp. I think it would be competitive. Now, I'm not saying he goes out there and beats Canelo. But I, I would say the fight would be competitive as long as is it, it more competitive than Berlanga Canelo. 
That's a great question, man. Look, you know, Charlo's a guy that beat Dervichenko. We all saw what Dervichenko just did with Jaime Munguia. That was like four years ago, man. I I get it, but I'm saying no. But I get it. But he showed how good he is. He showed the skill level that he's on if he's on top of his game. So you have to consider that victory because, as regardless of how long how long ago it was, this guy just almost beat Munguia. A lot of people felt he he won that fight. He's that competitive, and Charlo he beat up on Triple G. Yeah, yeah he that beat was, Triple G. That was a prime Devin Char- Jamal Charlo handled him fairly easy, to be honest with you. So, so I, I would say that we got to consider him having a proper training camp. This is still a big fight. He did well. Look, you, you say proper training camp. We're talking about a fight that could take place in September. It's now mid June. Like, wh- yeah. unless he is in the gym right now getting ready, then I don't know what kind of proper training camp he's going to have. You know, for a fight like that, we both know Canelo is always in the gym and is always prepared. You know, for his next fight, I just right. let me put it to you, Barack. Do you think a Berlanga? Do you think Berlanga is more competitive against Canelo right now than Jamal Charlo? There's no way I can tell that. There's no way I can tell that. I mean, Jamal Charlo has way more experience. Um, they both have pop, but Jamal Charlo has pop at that championship level as well. You know, so I, I there's no way I can tell that. You know, really, yeah, that's a hard, that's a question, has, has to prove himself. Belenga hasn't stepped it up yet. So he has to prove himself. And and Quigley, at least we're going to see a little taste of it against Quigley. And even that won't really tell me if he would be competitive against Canelo. Uh, another, another thing, Eddie said it. Listen, before, even if the Canelo fight doesn't happen next, we really want another fight first. If Berlanga does get past uh, Quigley, Quigley. In, in a dramatic fashion, right, we good. still want well, one more yeah, big fight. And so let's let's circle back then to that next fight. And I'm directing mm-hmm. this portion of the conversation to Keith Conley, the manager of Edgar Berlanga, who I know <laughs> is not going to be looking for a Jaime Munguia-level fight for Edgar Berlanga in the second fight of this matchroom deal. They want what, to about find a a really? what about a Dervachenko? What about a I mean, I that's a good measure. Like, I just don't think Keith would do Keith on Keith crime there. They're both represented Oh, oh yes, by, yes, yes. I like forgot Keith about that. Keith on Keith crime. I love well, he's it. a manager. Know, like, I don't know that he does. Nor, nor do I really. I like that fight, though. I like that I, fight. I'm okay with it. I mean, look, Wait I, a I, minute. I, so you think Mugia is not going to fight Edgar Berlanga uh, rather think, the other way around? I think Berlanga is not going to fight Jaime Mugia. I think Golden Boy... And Oscar De La Hoya would do that fight pretty quickly. I don't believe with Canelo out there potentially looming in 12 months that Berlanga's team wants to take a chance like that. I think they'll want a top 15 level guy, but they don't want a dangerous guy like Jaime Mugia, which I can tell you frustrates me because That's a good point, we all watched Jaime Mugia against Sergei Derevinchenko, who, look, I scored it. I scored actually pretty much every Derevinchenko fight short of Charlo. I've scored for Derevinchenko. I thought he beat Daniel Jacobs. I thought he beat Gennady Golovkin. And I, you know, had him winning this past fight against Jaime Mugia. So I am an unabashed believer in Sergey yeah. Derevinchenko. That yeah. said, like he almost, Mugia almost got knocked out by a 37 year old version of this guy, a guy that had yeah. lost a whole, like two of his last four fights and our last six fights and just wasn't the same guy that went toe to toe with Gennady Golovkin. You're telling me that Edgar Berlanga should be, you know, avoiding that type of fight? Like, Brock, to me, that's no, crazy. No, no uh, not at all. That's crazy to me. No, yeah. he should definitely not be avoiding that fight, but it's still, I do agree with what you said earlier. It's still a dangerous fight. Say what you want about Munguia. He's a, he's a tough, tough fighter. He, tough. Even and being hurt. 
tough, but very beatable. He is a very yeah, no, nobody's mistaking him as a, as a great boxer. No, he's <laughs> nobody's not mistaking bo- him for a great boxer. He's just a tough guy who could take seems and, like and, take and, everybody's punch and not and only that you, and give you hell at all. But ma- maybe maybe all of those. Well, remember he's had a lot of fights and he's got. He's took a lot of punishment. He's taken a lot of punishment with no problem. And maybe it's taking his toll now. And Dervichenko got him out of time. Well, these punches are starting to hurt Mungia. Maybe he take too many shots. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, I'm not That's saying he's a, a shot fighter. It's still a great risk. I, I say it just looks bad on Belanger and, and his team. If Not to take the fight, you're saying? Right. It, it's good. It's going to look weird because those are the names you was calling out. Those are the names Eddie's been calling out. Now, I, I understand you want the Canelo fight and you don't want to put a dangerous fight, fight in front of you. But then when you got people like Katie Taylor, Canelo, all of these people who would take dangerous fights before that big fight ahead, uh, I don't know, man. Look, name, I don't me, know. And, and, name me more than a couple non-heavyweight fights that are better than Mungia Berlanga in the second half of this year. You, you can't. There aren't that many of them that would be better. Berlanga, Berlanga, Styles Mungia. fights, so I get you. Berlanga, Mungia <laughs> sells out MSG, the big room at MSG. Mexico versus Puerto so? Rico. Oh, God. I yeah. do. Mexico, I agree. Puerto Rico. I, I think so. Look, Mungia's wow. already doing, you know, seven, 8,000 crowds in Southern California. Berlanga's going to put 5,100 or so in the small room at MSG. You okay. put them in the big room, they'll do 15, 16,000. They will. Uh, For sure. It's. It's a can't-miss action fight. Neither of these guys mm-hmm. would take one step backward in that fight. And the winner, you know, I don't want to say would have the mandate to face Canelo in May because if Benavidez fights Morel, that is just as significant a fight, albeit not as commercially marketable as Munguia versus Berlanga. But that would give the winner of that fight license to stand there in the middle of the ring and say, Canelo, you got to see me now. You got to see me. All right, Chris, you're doing some good matchmaking. You're a good matchmaker today. That sounds good. I I agree with most of that, but but I do feel like if Munguia puts on the pressure in Belenga, and let's just say his punches are heavy or maybe feel too heavy for Belenga, Belenga can fight on the back foot. He did that with Angulo. Outboxed him, moving backwards. So it's not, we're not necessarily going to see a firefight just because Belenga's known for, you know, punching heavy and, and knocking guys out. I would out. say that, Barack, though, but I, you know, Berlanga being back with his old trainer tells me there's going to be a return to some old habits, to being okay. more of a, a knockout Monster. artist. That, that was yeah. the guy that, you know, through Created sparring him. and through other things, sort of sold Berlanga on being this heavy hitter and, and made mm-hmm. him believe that he could be that guy. I think you're going to see a more confident version of Berlanga in the ring against Jason Quickly, a more confident version of him uh, moving forward. I, look, I just... Okay. Go ahead, Doc. And Munguia is not going to allow anybody to really fight for that long on the back foot. He's going to no. turn it into a fight regardless. Everybody going to turn fights fight. eventually has to, has to see him in exactly. the middle of the ring. Some guys try not to. You know, these... I'd like to see Munguia fight Zaria. I'd like to see... <laughs> yeah, they hunt Zaria down pretty fast. Hunt... Look, all those guys, we've seen these fights, whether it's Jimmy Kelly or uh, you know these, less, these second-tier guys at 160 or 168, they eventually get tracked down by Munguia. I don't think Berlango would be hard to find, and I think that's an incredible fight. Now, I just... I hope that if Canelo's off the table... That Berlanga and his team step up, that Matchroom and Golden Boy step up, and we get a deal done to see Berlanga McGee because that is a great fight for it's a great fight for Dazone. It's a great fight mm-hmm. for for boxing. It's a great fight for both these guys to have on their resume. And it's one of those fights, guys, that win or lose, like if it's competitive, nobody's taking that big a step back. They're just not. Like, you know, maybe the loser falls out of the Canelo sweepstakes briefly, but 
fights like that are what make your career. There was there were people to remember, you know. I, I is honestly, that I've a pay per view Munguia's, fight, Chris? I've called Mungia's like last like eight fights. I remember like two of the opponents. I mean, I just like I, <laughs> you, you just don't like. Oh yeah, he knocked out Toronto right. Johnson. Great, awesome. Yeah, he, he yeah. stopped Jimmy Kelly. Wow, Spike O'Sullivan. Like it's just you know you just <laughs> these are yeah. not memorable moments for boxers. And right. as much as it's about money, and it should be, it's also about legacy. And that's a money fight and a legacy fight uh, for both these guys. So is I it a pay per view fight? No, you know, I think that's the kind of fight that, and I have no actual knowledge of this, but I think that's the kind of fight DAZN would try to afford to put on as, as a subscription. You pay both these guys a couple of million bucks, and that, that probably is enough to 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 do it. Maybe sweeten the pot. I don't know. Look, even if it is a pay-per-view, I think it does okay on pay-per-view. It, it, it would be a little annoying because it would diminish the size of the audience, but right. yeah. I've seen worse. Put it that way. I've seen worse pay-per-views. You know, that's for yeah, sure. For sure. I don't know why fighters, you know, want to be on pay-per-view when you're going to get less eyes on you, yeah. you know? because well, sometimes I, I they say get build up the fame. Yeah, but build up the fame. Fame lasts longer than the, the one time you get money. You know, look at Mike Tyson. Look at guys who built up fame. They, they live off that for the rest of their lives. You know, so many things you can do when you build up a big name. Right. You want eyes on you. Don't, don't try to fight on pay-per-view try to get more people to watch you that's yeah, what i, I mean, said does, does anybody care that mungi is 41 and 0 does anybody care that berlang is 20 and 0 like the record doesn't matter no. if nobody's on it like that's right. yeah that's that's ultimately what it comes uh, down to um all right you guys talk to eddie hearn regularly one of the fights that eddie hearn is trying to get over the finish line is a rescheduled showdown between connor ben and chris mm. eubank jr we all know the circumstance around the last fight. Conor Ben tested positive multiple times for banned substances. That fight was scrapped in the fall of last year. Conor Ben is preparing a comeback, whether it's in the UK or the Middle East. That remains to be seen. And because of the injury to Liam Smith that forced the cancellation of that rematch, uh, Chris Eubank seems to be available to have a deal done. And Eddie Fern seems to believe that there is a deal to be made. My question for you guys, and Ak, we'll start with you on this one. Um, is this fight interesting to you anymore? I mean, this was a huge fight back in September, October, but there's been obviously the issues surrounding Connor Ben since then. Chris Eubank Jr. was knocked out, knocked <laughs> out by Liam Smith. So is this still a good fight for to you? I'll be lying if I told you I was just as excited as I was the first time because Conor McGregor is Conor. I mean, Conor Ben is even more aggressive than Liam Smith is. You know, so I, I don't know that if that same type of Chris Eubank Jr. can beat Conor Ben. Now, in terms of legacy and the the names and the fathers and what they've gone through, we know out there is still going to be a massive fight. Still going to do numbers, and people forget. You know, you do a good promotional run, some good content, and put it out there, sell it again. People will still be interested in a fight, but yes, it had lost. It has lost some steam, especially with that knockout loss. You you can't deny it. Listen, I feel like when I'm going to bring this fight up again, when Roley was fighting Javante Davis, my thoughts was this guy Roley talked himself into <laughs> a, a big fight, but then after the buildup, the press conference. Everything, I'm like, man, I can't wait to see this fight. I can't wait to see Javante Davis knock this kid out because I'm sick of this kid talking. That's what this buildup would be like. Yeah. Conor McGregor, I, first of all, I didn't know uh, that Chris Eubank Jr. was so was so slick and crafty and spicy, you know, with, with, with the buildup, with talking. You know, that right there, the animosity that they have, the hatred that they have, add that, the big names that they have, 
Man, that's a big fight. And he's a 147-pound fighter. A fighter. There's always an intrigue of, of 13, moving up 13 pounds to fight a bigger guy. That's the curiosity as well. Right, so, right, right. But, but still, stylistically, still a big fight. But is it still an interesting fight inside the ring? I'm talking, he I'm might be aggressive, but he's still a small guy. He's a small 147-pound fighter. He's yeah. not as big as Spence. He's not, he doesn't even, to me, he doesn't look as big as Crawford. You know, he, he looks shorter. He looks small. He's always fit. So, you know, he doesn't walk around heavy. So can his power go up to 160 pounds? You know, can I it translate? That I guess that curiosity will yeah, make the fight interesting. Absolutely. It is absolutely. a fight that unquestionably will still captivate a large portion of the British audience who yeah. still has that nostalgia for Nigel Benn and Chris Eubanks Sr. So that, that will still be there, albeit maybe not on the level it was last fall but for me and and maybe i speak for a large portion of the american audience i just like to see them both settle their their issues beforehand and with chris eubank run it back with liam smith get that loss that blemish off your resume or at least avenge it in your next fight for connor ben just figure out all this stuff with ucad and with the british boxing board of control like you don't want to be a guy that has to fight in the middle east or in some place like New Orleans or Florida or West Virginia or one of these states that don't have the level of, you know, state commissions that some of the bigger boxing or combat sports states ultimately have. And for Connor Ben, I mean, the the second tier of the 147 pound division is electric at the moment. I mean, you have got some real stars at 147. I mean, July 8th, is going to be a night for the welterweights. You've got Boots Ennis in Atlantic City yes. fighting yeah. and defending his interim title. You have got Stanley Onis versus Ortiz, which has that same Mungia Berlanga feel to me. I get that Mungia Berlanga tingle when I talk about uh, Ortiz against Stanley Onis because that is going to be an absolute war in the ring. We've seen mm -hmm. Alexis Rocha, you know, really come back and rise since that loss to Rashidi Ellis, and make himself a player. I'd like to see right. Connor Ben, you know. You know, in a in a respectable way, make his way over to the U.S. and take on some of these guys. Throw himself in that mix. Like he's a mid twenties guy, uh, and he's got an opportunity now to be in some big time world title caliber fights that are incredibly interesting. I'm to me, guys, I'm far more interested in Conor Ben doing something like that than seeing this version of Ben versus Eubank. I, I well, like that, and there there are some American welterweights that I would love to see, Connor. But ideally, honestly, I would love to see him against Keith Thurman. I think that that's the Keith, fight. Keith Thurman I, needs like five million dollars to like get back. Up I, don't, I don't know what I, Keith Thurman's doing. I don't yeah, we don't know, but in the ring, I think that would make a great fight. But you got to think about what's at stake for him. I mean, it's a big payday for him. It's huge sure. in this country, so I can understand what he'll say. Let me get handle this first, but then is he comfortable coming back down to one forty seven? and really competing and campaigning in that weight class after fighting at 160? That's a good question. Um, I, I think if he can fight Chris Eubank Jr. anywhere where the time zone is close to the UK, then it totally makes sense. Those names are huge. We can't relate because we didn't grow up watching those particular names, but those names are huge. If you want to fight Chris over here, to me, it doesn't make sense. You know, to me, it doesn't make sense because, like you said, it's a big UK fight. But if he's not going to be able to get that over there, then yes, I'd, I'd, like, I'd love to see him against Alexis Rocha. 
or, or you know, like Keith Thurman or somebody like that. I'd love to see him against Boots Ennis. I'd love to see that fight. Hey, Alexis oh, maybe Rocha, even Rashidi Ale Ellis. Alexis Rocha would take the Queen Mary over to the UK right now to take that fight. Alexis Rocha <laughs> wants that fight immediately. He's ready for, yeah, for that kind of matchup. So we'll see what comes of that. I mean, you, you read the clips every single day. It sounds like Liam Smith's going to finalize a fight with Eubank. Now Connor Ben's going to finalize a fight with you. So we don't really know what direction mm -hmm. that fight's going to go. Speaking of not being sure, this is the last thing I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, when I was preparing the rundown for this fight, uh, or for this show, I was fairly convinced by some of the reporting that David Morrell was going to face David Benavidez. You know, the last few hours before we start recording, you've oh, got no. David Morrell like releasing a statement, you know, calling David Benavidez every name in the book, and David Benavidez going on social media, uh, you know, denying the report. The report, by the way, from Dan Raphael was based on on the record confirmation from Samson Lukowitz, who, by the way, has said some wacky things over the last couple of days, like denying the level of offer that he he, he and people around him say they made to Canelo Alvarez. So I, I don't know what to believe coming out of Samson anymore. <laughs> but let, let's just say for the sake of this conversation that Benavidez actually finalized the deal to fight David Morrell in the yes. fall. Um, yes. Ak, Ak, how much credit would you give David Benavidez for that? Because he was out there oh after beating Caleb Plant you know, with the strongest case to be Canelo Alvarez's next opponent from a earning it perspective and from a marketability perspective. He was the guy that that had the strongest case. Canelo opts to go in a different direction. So Benavidez, if it comes to fruition, will turn around and fight a guy that is a fraction of as marketable, but every bit seemingly as dangerous. David Morrell is a beast in the ring. You saw what he did in his last fight. He is the goods, a Cuban standout. He is legit. How much credit, Ock, do you give David Benavidez uh, for doing this? Honestly, if David Benavidez takes this fight against Morrell, he'd probably become my favorite fighter in boxing. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it would be literally, he would be the bravest fighter in boxing because if you watch Morrell, you almost he almost looks like a cruiserweight in there, right? And he's yeah. very skilled at that. I mean, I, I shook this guy's hand. He has hands like massive hands. He's so strong. I, I, I don't, I mean, if I'm on Benavidez's team, I won't even take that fight. I'll keep campaigning, dancing around that fight until I get the Canelo fight, right? And the big payday. There's no way I'm trying to go through that to get the other big fights. Hell no. If he does that, man, my, my favorite fight in all boxing. And Barack, he, he could have, it, it would have been just as easy for David Benavides to fight Demetrius Andrade. You know, that was out there as a possibility for him. It would have been a makeable fight because of Andrade's new affiliation with PBC. Uh, it wouldn't have been an easy fight because Andrade's a very good boxer, but go. it would have been far less dangerous for David Benavides. Yeah, I think um, David Benavides has kind of already showed us that he cares what the people say about him. So he, he got a lot of flack about, you know, trying to fight everybody else but Caleb Plant and he got sick of it and he's like all right that's it I gotta fight Caleb Plant and he made that fight happen I think if enough people are clamoring for David Morrell for a David Morrell fight which the real true boxing fans will then I think he's going to be prideful enough to take that fight and even though David Morrell is a scary individual he's he's a tough fight he might wind up being and easier, I don't mean easy to win, but easier to hit and, and at least, you know, win than a Demetrius Andrade. 
That's a good, I mean, we look, Moreau hasn't been tested to the level of Benavides. So, yes, right. let's see what he, what happens when he gets hit by, by David Benavides, when he gets hit with the barrage of punches, the body shots, and, and, and that overwhelming style. Is he going to be able to deal with that? I mean, there's that scary factor, but there's also that unknown factor. You haven't been right. in there with a guy like Benavides. So, but that's what would make Or do you want to go in there with D Demetrius Andrew, who's crafty? Who's, who's throwing shots from all yes, different... Yes, yes. I would rather fight Demetrius Andre yes, than Morrell. Yes. yes. No, but I think David Benavides is a cruiserweight anyway. He's already <laughs> bigger than everybody in the division. I don't think he fears Morrell like maybe... No, I'm not saying he fears no. him. You asked me a question. I'd rather fight uh, uh, Andre than Morrell. Look, th there is uh, certainly something to the argument that David Morrell is untested. He is... He's not really a title holder because he's got that secondary title. But he got that title right. like five fights into his career. It was wacky how he yeah. even got that secondary title opportunity. And you look at his resume. I mean, Alantes Fox, okay, that's that's an okay win. Uh, Yamaguchi Falco in his last fight, like that's an okay win. Like he's had yeah. nothing, you know, on the level of David Benavides. Even David Benavides' win over uh, Anthony Durrell at that time was better. And, you know, Durrell right. was, was a champion at that point. So, yeah, I, I think that that if you're Benavidez's team, you're looking at David Morrell and saying, all right, yeah, we get he's kind of a boogeyman-ish type of guy right now, but right. doing it against guys like Fox and Falcoa is not the same as doing it against me. Yeah. Right, right. And, and you know what? There's a world. There's, it's called the gym world. There's things that go around. People know what you're doing in the gym. They know how you're performing in the gym. So usually a fighter knows everything about the fighter that he's about to get into the ring. So if he's hearing... Oh, he's not really that big of a puncher. You know, he's just fighting lesser op opposition. And plus, I, I really feel that David Benavidez is a courageous guy. I think I think he wants to fight any and everybody. Yeah, I do yeah, too. I agree. I agree. All right, check out Ak and Barak every weekday on the DAZN Boxing Show. They will be in New York covering you from corner to corner. Uh, at the uh, Edgar Berlanga, Jason Quigley fight all weekend long. Guys, always appreciate the time. Always appreciate the conversation. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for my having pleasure, us. Man. Take you. it easy, Chris. And when we come back, my conversation with Edgar Berlanga. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right, Edgar Berlanga, undefeated, 168-pound contender. He is back in the ring on Saturday when he takes on Jason Quigley at the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden. That's a fight you can watch exclusively on DAZN, and Edgar joins me here on the show. Edgar, first fight in your new matchroom deal, first fight in almost a year. How are you feeling kind of going into it? Um, I feel great, man. Um, I'm happy. That's the most important thing. Like, I'm extremely, extremely happy. You know, I've been away from New York about five months. I've been in camp, grinding, working. Um, fight week, I'm back home. You know, I'm happy, man. You know, especially being with with with, uh, with Matchroom. You know, they they welcomed me with 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 open arms. Um, and I'm just excited, man. Like just everything that's going on this week. Um, you know, got the fans coming out. I got everybody out supporting me. Everybody's buying tickets, coming flying out, man. I'm just excited. So it has been about a year since we last saw you in the ring. What's different about you since last year? Um, You know, it's crazy, man. Like, everything that happened last year, like, with the injuries, I, I, like, I went through everything that happened last year, and it's like, I needed everything that happened the way it did. Like, if, if it would have never happened the way it did, I wouldn't be here right now. Like, maybe doing this interview you or being with Matchroom or, or whatnot, just for the simple fact that I probably still would have been with top rank. But, um, you know, the injuries, fighting through the injuries, two fights, you know, getting suspended, um, taking that whole year off, you know, it was it was a little difficult for me. You know, I'm a type of guy that, you know, I like to have a fight. They don't know that, all right, you're going to fight in seven months or you're going to fight in six months. And to not know... You know, I'm not fighting at all, you know, was 2022. And then it was like, your next fight's going to be 2023. And we in June. I'm like, what the, f-? like, damn, man, this is crazy. You know, and then going through the war with top rank of us trying to get out. It was just a lot, man. But I'm I'm grateful. I'm glad that I went through it, you know, through that fire. We got out of it. You know, I'm back with my with my old trainer, um, the, the one that made me, um, you know, so everything's just going smoothly. Yeah, you have experienced a lot of the highs and lows of boxing in a short time in your career. I mean, you experienced the highs of, you know, 16 fights, all first round knockouts. You're called, you know, the next big thing. Last four fights, you're probably reading like, you know, this overhyped guy who doesn't want to fight anybody. Uh, what's the last year been like for you? 
Um, I just saw uh, the first like two months. It was it was difficult because you know the whole everybody uh temp everybody situation. So everybody was like making fun of the situation. You know, I went on on the Jimmy Kennel show. Like you know, Mike Tyson was promoting his everybody stuff. So it was uh, I just had to learn. I never had that type of you know, um, how can I say it? Uh, it's criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, my career, you know, I'm a fighter, you know, I'm only, I was only, well, I'm 20, I was 25 years old, 26 now. So I was just like getting used to like everything, you know, I'm so used to everybody like, you know, Belanga, Belanga. And then it's like, it turned to that to like 50 people loving me and then 50 people hating me, you know, and I just started, I learned how to groom myself into knowing that, you know, when you're becoming somebody big in life and, you know, a guy like me that, you know, not the Sakagi, but that looks good, you know, I'm from New York, I'm 26, you know, my wife looks good, like, it's just a lot, you know, I'm, I'm making money. I got the best manager right now. I got the best team, you know, so it's like everything that just comes to play, man. Like, so I looked at Floyd. I looked at a lot of guys that was coming up and got a lot of hate. And I was like, yo, but they're successful, you know, and that's one thing for me. Like, I'm super successful at 26 years old, you know, and um, <clears throat> I learned how to, like, you know, go through that, go through that fire um, and just live with it, you know. And uh, I just turned something that was bad and I turned it to good. Yeah, it's. In sports, all sports, you're really only as good in the minds of the public as your last performance. It's more difficult in boxing because there's like six months or a year between performances. Not like basketball where LeBron James has a crappy game. He goes out two days later. He has a big one. Everybody forgot about the bad one. It's got to be, you know, the fact that you're off for a year must have made that a lot more difficult. Super. It was was crazy. I'm not going to lie. It was crazy. Like, I was every day like, Talking to, you know, my girl, like, yo, Jen, like, damn, like, she's like, get off, you know, get off social media, like, get off it, you know, it's, I was like, yo, it's tough, man, like, I'm not used to this, like, what's going on, like, and then it's like, I got a year, so I came, and it's not like I could have, like, all right, you know, this fight was a little far, all right, cool, I got four months I could get back in the ring and, you know, and catch a knockout or look great, and, uh, yeah, man, it was tough, but, um, you know, like I said, man, I learned how to just, you know, maneuver with it, go through it, and I know that's going to get worse, man, like, I know... You know, me coming off a victory next week, you know, it's going to get more worse and it's just going to keep going higher and higher, you know. So I just, like I said, like I said before, like I just got to, you know, just play with it, man. Like it, it comes with it, you know, with success. Everything that I'm going through, it comes with it, man. So I got to take the good with the good. And I, t- I got to take the bad with the bad. You mentioned some of the tra- uh, changes you made was going back to your former trainer. Take me kind of inside that decision. What went into the decision to go back and work with Mark? Um, you know, we uh we never really had a, a fallout. You know, I had to leave. You know, Tampa. Where I was out training with him before for certain reasons. Um, and then um, I wound up leaving. We separated for about three years. But you know, people don't understand. People like when I blew up in the sport I wasn't with him so nobody knew who Mark was but that's the guy that actually really like made me you know like he grabbed me from the amateurs at my lowest point you know having a coming off a, a, a defeat and at the Olympic trials and have having an injury and then nobody wanted to sign me like nobody wanted to sign me like nobody like nobody wanted to sign Edgar Berlanga literally like I had my back against the like nobody wanted to sign me and this guy took me and I wasn't a knockout artist. You know, I was just a, I was a boxer. You know, I learned how to just box and, you know, I won eight, nine national championships doing it. And when I got with Mark, he got with me at my lowest point. That's why I love him so much because 
he grabbed me. He he groomed me into the fighter I am today. And, you know, I walked in the gym and I see oh, Mark, like my first day with him, I'm like, Mark, so what's up? I'm like, I want to knock people out. That's how I started. He was like, oh, you want to knock people out? I said, yes, I want to knock people out. But I want to start knocking people out in sparring because I wasn't pro yet, you know? He was like, all right. <laughs> and it started from there, like training, training, repetition, repetition, repetition. And I started knocking people out in sparring. Got my first fight in Mexico, my second fight, third fight, and you already know, mm-hmm. the rest is history. I went 16-0 with 16 first-round knockouts, you know? But he was the guy that, like, made that guy, you know, like he was the one that built that quote unquote, how he says it, you know, the Ferrari, the Bugatti, like he built that, you know, he grabbed the pieces and he just formed, you know, me and, you know, now I'm back with him. So it's like, when I got back with him in, in, in February, it was like, it felt like yesterday. Like I was just, I was like, yo bro, it's so crazy. I feel like we was together like yesterday. You get what I'm saying? That's how much the chemistry me and him have with each other and like his mindset and my mindset, the way he grew my mindset to fight and, you know, to be aggressive and to be smart and, you know, don't rely on power, just do it. Um, How can I say it? I was like, uh, fluently, you know what I'm saying? Like, look at all my knockouts from coming up when I was my first pro debut, second, you know, second fight, third fight. All my, knock- my knockouts were so clean and poised, like super, like everything was boom. Oh my God, he's out. Boom. Oh, like, and it was all set up punches, you know, so that's how he groomed me. So, yeah. Being back with him over these last few months, what is he trying to bring out with you? What has been different about the training? Um, You know, just feet, you know, my mind and my lead hand, my jab, you know, and just my legs, everything's off, off your legs, you know. I could sense that, like, my legs was, like, terrible, the past like two and a half years, you know, he just like it was just repetition of legs. Like when I got with him, um, like the first well, like two months was just strictly just legs. Like I didn't even throw out one punch. It was just leg movement, like getting my feet under me. And that's how he how he's trained me from the from the beginning was was that. And I got away from that. So he brought everything back together into one puzzle, you know, and I'm just happy, man. Like just the chemistry that we got together is just insane. And I feel like for a fighter, I feel like for a fighter, you need that. You need that chemistry, man. Like that's so important. Like for a fighter and a coach and a trainer to really get in tune with each other. And he knows me. The bet he knows when to push me. He knows when to back off. He knows when I he could take me to that next level. Like, nah, motherfucker, you're gonna go to that next level. Like and spawn art. Right, keep going. We're gonna do another round. Fuck another round. Okay. Training him in the back. Repetition again. I need 30 more of those. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he knows me so well. And it's like you look at the Pacquiao's and Freddie Rose, you look at Florida and, his, and Roger Me, whether you look at um Earl Spencer, his trainer, you look at Terrence Crawford, his trainer, like you need that chemistry. And like when me and him was like, you know, super, super, like we have so much chemistry. No, I, I look, I've seen that on a lesser level with Sergio, you know, when Sergio and Dean Campos working together their entire career. I mean, like the value of being on the same page with your trainer, trusting the words that come out of your trainer's mouth. Trusting, yep. That's the most important thing is trust. When you look back at when before that bell goes sting in a fight and you look back and you look at your your your, your, your corner, you have so much confidence because like, bro, we worked, I know what we worked on, like, and we worked our ass off and it's like, I got my trainer, I know my fucker's bad. Like I would, like, Amanda Serrano's trainer, we was talking about it. We was like, you could like, Say I'll use me for example, like I could have the best trainer in boxing, right? 
train me, but me and him is not clicking. Like, there's nothing going on. And this is the best training in boxing, but then now I got a guy that, you know, pr probably knows or isn't as high as he is, but me and him click so well, and I do very well in my career because of the chemistry. So, so you've got Jason Quigley this weekend, former middleweight title challenger. Um, does this feel in a way – it's almost a, I don't want to call it a no-win situation for you, but it's a difficult win situation for you. Not that you won beat Jason Quigley, but I think most people that remember Quigley, especially those that watch on DAZN, saw him a couple of years ago just get steamrolled by Demetrius Andrade. So there's an expectation that you, Edgar Berlanga, big knockout puncher, will go out there and do the same thing. And if you don't, there certainly will be those social media critics that say, ah, he couldn't knock out Jason Quigley. How is he going to compete with Canelo, with David Benavidez, with the top guys at 168? Does it feel that way to you? Well, I, listen, I could not, if I knock Jason Quigley out in the first round, they're going to say, oh, he was supposed to do exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. He, he's supposed to knock him out in the first round. That was... Look at the look at the the, the fan duel. It's like negative fifteen hundred. <laughs> and then it's like, say if it goes to distance, but we beat him. Ah, oh, another 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 fight going to distance. Ah, oh, fucking Berlang is a bum. Ah, <laughs> uh, he uh, he ain't no guy. He ain't ready for Canelo. So for me, it's like I just gotta like you know, Floyd said it best. You know, f everybody. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like. Dude was best for us and my team. You get what I'm saying? Like, well, we going in there and handling our business. That's it. You know, like, so that's why I'm not going in and like, oh, fuck, I got to get, oh, fuck. No, I just got to do what I do. You know what I'm saying? And focus on everything I worked on with Mark and my team in the, in the camp and just execute that. That's all. You know, and that's, and everything will come out the plate. You know, um, so that's just, that's just what it is, man. Like, it's always been like that with me. You know, and I know I have high hopes for, for people because I was knocking everybody out in the, in the, in the first round. So, you know, you know me. Me not going a distance is like I guess I guess a fucking bum. You know, I guess this. He's not. He's nothing. He's not gonna be. But it's like, well, I better look at you know, look at look at uh, Tiafimo, Look at uh, you know, Shakur Stevenson. These guys are going a distance. You know, mm. they don't get guys. But I'm a type of guy that I set the bar so high with lacing dudes out. You know, which everybody I know everybody wants that now. Everybody wants those knockouts again. So I get it. Do you think a win? Earns you a shot at Canelo. Um, if the I mean, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, then it's not. You know, I'm not. We're not. We're not focused on that. You know, what I'm saying like I know. You know, there's been a lot of rumors on Twitter and people thinking I'm getting sidetracked about that, and I'm not. You know, I just feel like right now this weekend he's my Canelo right now. He's my Triple G. He's my Charlo. Like he's that guy. You know, I gotta. I gotta get through him. You know, what I'm saying I gotta walk through him. I gotta. You know, destroy this dude. I got to do my thing this weekend, and then you know we can look forward to to the to the to the future. You know, I feel like um I got this fight off the layoff. You know, maybe we got one more fight and we could talk a fight like that. Mm. You know, um, but I know everybody keeps talking about it because you know the Bivol fight never went through, Benavidez fight never went through, but the the Badu Jack stuff mm. never went through. You know, you got the Charlo, the Charlo fight that's up in the air right now. You know, he haven't been he haven't been in the ring for two years. So right now, as you know, they now they like, oh, Belanga, Belanga, Belanga. But, you know, like me, man, I'm just focused on this weekend. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I got to do what I, I got to do this week. Yeah, look, I, I've always said, you know, that if you get offered a Canelo fight, you take it. No matter what position you're at in your career, that's an opportunity that you you can't turn down. It's money you can't turn down. It's a life-changing 
uh, moment for you. What I'm wondering is, you know, if Canelo goes a different direction, if he goes the Charlo direction, how willing or eager are you to test yourself in your next fight this year, the second fight of your matchroom deal? Oh, definitely. You know, we already spoke with Eddie, you know, on the team and Keith and my dad. So, you know, you know me, I'm super, you put, you put motherfucking King Kong in front of me, like, I'll take that fight, you know. So as much as I want to fight these guys, you know, my team and, and Keith and, you know, Eddie and my dad, you know, they're going to go around and they're going to be like, nah, let's do it. We're going to do it this way, you know. So I leave it up to them. But you know me, man, I'm eager to fight everybody, man. Like, I really want to go out there and make legacy. You know, that's the most important thing because I could retire with $100 million, but what did I actually leave behind, you know, money? Oh, yeah, he's uh, Zach Berlanga from New York. Yeah, he just made he made $100 million. No, it's like I came in a sport for legacy. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm starting to understand, like, legacy is so important because when I retire, I want to be able to be talked about. You know, I want to be able to go to the fights when I'm retired and people be like, yo, that's Berlanga, man. He's X amount of world titles he got. He went up and weight, won a world title. You get what I'm saying? So that's so important. It feels like there's a, a legacy fight right there that's out there and that's Jaime Munguia who's sitting yeah. out there who just came off a win over Sergey Derevchenko people have been begging Jaime Munguia to get into a big fight people have been asking to see you in a big fight the politics are out the door they're both these guys are under that kind of disowned banner it's an easy fight that could make um how interested are you in that fight and how how hard would you push to make that fight happen um after this fight you know, we could definitely talk something like that too. You know, Munguia's a a, a a great fighter. You know, he's Mexico got a crazy fan base. That's another, like you said, so that's you. another legacy. Yeah, Mexico, right. Puerto Rico, that's, that's big. Yeah, and, and he's my age. You know, mm -hmm. he's young. He's hungry. He's a puncher. I'm a puncher. So you know what what type of fight that means. You get what I'm saying? Like, there's not gonna be no running. There's not gonna be no dancing around the ring. It's gonna be fireworks. It's gonna be fireworks. It's gonna be a truck and a truck. You know who's will stronger <laughs> so that's something that i'm looking for to. i'm looking listen man like me being back with my team and you know i was working and me feeling how i'm feeling and i listen man i'm ready for anybody right now i told keith that i said yo keith i get back with who i need to be back with this was before signing with match and this was before anything i said mark i get back with this guy it's on and popping like i get my feet wet you know i perform it's on and popping now because it's like i got i got I got everything I got right now, so I'm good. Well, you know that, you know, you get the job done against Jason Quigley. You'll be staring at me in the ring, and I'm going to be asking you, Jaime Munguia, what are your thoughts on Jaime Munguia? So that's a fight that you want. I mean, you're telling me that's a fight that that you're ready for if that comes yeah. around your next time. Oh, for sure. Definitely. And we knocking him out. Love it, Edgar. Edgar's back. Uh, first time in a year. First fight under Matchroom. First fight on DAZN. Hey, boxing's better with you in it, Edgar. You draw big fans into the arena. And, yeah, bro, and it's already, it's already <laughs> Christmas. It's, it's, it's practically sold out, man. Like, come on, you know? And, 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 like, I'm not trying to sound cocky or anything. Like I said before, like, this is a milestone for me. You know, the theater, you know, it sits almost 6,000 people. Like, it's cool, but... I want the big house. Like I want, I want twenty thousand. Like, I gotta get there. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be hard work, but I gotta get there. I want to, I want to do that. I want to 
make history and be the first one. You know what I'm saying? Biggest gay sales in, in, in boxing history for the for the uh, for the big house. Hey, soon. I'd bet every nickel in my pocket that Berlanga Munguia sells out the big room at MSG. Oh, yeah. I'll so, bet every yeah. nickel I got that that's a that's a quick sellout, man. That's a fast sellout. Yeah. Mexico, yeah, Puerto Rico, and New York City. That's a fast sellout. Yeah. I'm telling. I got a lot of Mexican fans. You'd be surprised. I went to I went to uh, to Vegas for the Canelo fight, and I had Mexicans screaming that I was gonna be Canelo. Oh, you gonna do a canal Canelo? Balanga, boy, I'm going for you with Mexicans with the flag. I'm like, oh shit. So this is some this is some different. You know, you got Mexicans that don't really. You know, when it comes to a Mexican and a Puerto Rican fighter, you got. I got a lot of Mexican fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of fans. Period, especially in that New York City area. Uh, Edgar, good luck on Saturday, man. We'll see you then. All right, thank you, Chris. And when we come back, my picks for the weekend. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. All right, time now for this week's picks. All right, took another L last weekend. Not on the outcome of the fight. I told you to bet on Regis Progray, but I told you to bet on Progray by knockout. Uh, I just couldn't have predicted Danielito Zoria fighting like that. I couldn't have. Like He fought, I don't want to say he didn't fight to win, but he certainly fought not to get knocked out. That's for sure. And he succeeded in that venture. He didn't get knocked out. Lost the fight, but 
stayed on his feet for 12 rounds. Uh, lost a couple of bucks on that one for sure. Uh, I'm going to go this weekend with the most competitive fight on the slate, and that is the rematch between Joshua Franco and Kazuto Ioka for the 115-pound title, the 115-pound title that uh, Joshua Franco currently owns. These two fought back in December of 2022, and they fought to a majority draw over in Japan. Well, they are back in Japan in the same gym fighting one more time. This is only going to be for one title because Ioka vacated his version of the 115-pound title just so he could make sure that he fought uh, Franco in a rematch, didn't have to defend his title in a mandatory. So kudos to Ioka for looking to get this on again, and kudos for Joshua Franco for going over to Japan for the second fight in a row. So this fight is as close as you can possibly get. You've got Joshua Franco right now, minus 112 on FanDuel. Kazuto Ioka right now, minus 112. I am going to go with Franco in this one because I've watched the first fight between these two a couple of times. and Every time I've watched it, I've scored the fight for Franco. I think his punch placement was better. I thought his power shots were cleaner. I just thought he was the better fighter in that matchup. And I wouldn't call it a robbery to have it go to a majority decision, but I thought he did enough to win. And I think he's going to do enough to win this time around. One of the judges in the last fight scored it for Josh Franco. Uh, so I think he's going to wind up getting a decision win in that fight. So take Joshua Franco to win at minus 112. And I gave away the other half of that bet. I'd say take Josh Franco to win by decision. He is at plus 145 right now, according to FanDuel, to win by decision. So not great odds on that one either. Plus 600 to win by knockout. I'm not seeing that. A draw is at plus 1600. Oh, do I want to throw a couple of bucks on that? I'm not so sure. But I think Josh Franco does just enough to win a narrow decision in this rematch over in Japan. Retain his 115-pound title, and then look for other big names, whether it's uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, Chocolatito Gonzalez at 115 to uh, make himself even more money and burnish his resume at Super Flyweight. So Joshua Franco to win at minus 112. Joshua Franco by decision, points or decision, at plus 145. Those are my picks this week. I'm going to go 2-0. I'm going to get back on track, and I'm going to get hot as we go into these summer months. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Akin Barak and Edgar Berlanga for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's Wee championship game. A trophy bigger than your 5-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. 
these mattresses beat the heat with ultra cool covers whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature save up to four hundred and sixty dollars on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now iheart listeners can save an extra fifty dollars off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iheart that's l-e-e-s-a.com slash iheart exclusions apply see lisa.com for more details